Well, rough week for the grain market with prices tanking every day until about midweek. Was that a result of high prices curing high prices? Yeah, that was the opinion of some analysts. Bargain buyers jumped into the market on the fifth day. The market was down after corn, soybeans, and wheat all declined sharply to end the month of February. And it got uh, really cheap in the eyes of importers. And it looks like the market is expecting changes as well. Coming next Wednesday in the March WASDE report. More on that coming up next. Weekly Market by the Numbers is brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. You know, the Farm Bureau's support of some of these critical issues that we've got out there right now that are facing farm families is only possible because of your Farm Bureau membership. So support your local Farm Bureau. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, first of all, want to say briefly, because a lot of people are asking about David Coley, and he is on the mend and doing remarkably well. John and I have had a chance to talk to him this past week, and we are just elated at the progress that he has made and so look forward to having him back again. But, John, let's talk about this tank in the market this past week. Ooh. Ted <laughs> Seafried is the chief market strategist for the Zaner Group. He, I, I think he put it really well. He said, we were due for a corrective bounce. And and, uh, boy, we just crushed support levels to the downside. Wheat hit its lowest level since September 2021. And then, of course, a lot of pressure with that with regard to Black Sea and the grain export deal that Russia's saying now they're not sure they want to renew it. But let's talk about corn, soybeans, and, yes, wheat and, and this whole downside move. What precipitated that? Well, you know, several things precipitated it, Rob. There's usually there's something that sets it off, but there's also a lot of other factors involved. And I'd say, number one, part of it's just the weight of the market. Prices were high for a long time, and there was a lot of fund length in the market. Funds were heavily long everything. Yeah. And so, therefore, all you had to do was put a batch to it, and then boom, <laughs> we've had just a horrendous sell-off. And now, what was that spark? Oddly enough, one of the sparks was that ag outlet form. When oh, the yeah. government came out and started projecting these uh, big carryovers for next year, you know, that was obvious, Rob, going into that. You know that in, in February, they're going to predict trend line or better than trend line yields. And, of course, that corn yield came out five bushels above the previous record, which is kind of a surprise. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but, you know, they kind of uh, maybe went a little too far there. But uh, all of a sudden, you're staring at what are comfortable carryovers for next year. All of a sudden, we're not going higher, so the funds get panicky. They start selling, and then all the bells and whistles go off, and they're <laughs> selling bills and bills and bills, and here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah. we had corn in less than two weeks down somewhere in the vicinity of 60 cents, soybeans mm, mm, 75 mm. cents, <laughs> uh, wheat 75 cents, although you go back a little before then and on the recent highs, wheat was off over a dollar a bushel. And as you just pointed out, it set its lowest price since September of 2021. This was vicious, Rob. Yeah. This was a nasty downward correction in the marketplace. And what were you saying back in January? Yeah, back in January and even back into December, you know, we were looking at this and we were saying, you know, there's a lot of on-farm storage that hadn't been priced yet. And we were telling people in November, and I hate to be the guy that saying, I told you so, but 
You know, we were telling you in November and then again in December, and then we told you at the Port Wayne Farm Show, these prices are so high, there's not a lot of indications that these prices are going to stay that high. There's more indications that they're going to go down, and that's why at the Port Wayne Farm Show, we were saying, hey, good time to sell a bunch of this right now. Yes, and all that speculative length in there, of course, was scary because you know that if they start coming out, it's going to get pretty ugly. Another negative to help break the market, we've been talking about this, is corn export sales have <laughs> so far behind. That should be picking up, and it has picked up, but this week's export sales on corn were the lowest in the past seven weeks. We're still running over 700 bushels behind a year ago in our export sales, so that, of course, is very discouraging. A lot of that is because of Brazil and their big corn crop, and signs are that Brazil is finally selling out of corn, but why weren't sales bigger this past week? That did not help this market at all. The fact that export sales are simply not picking up as much as we thought they were. Yeah, and it was only a, about a week or so ago, well, before the big dip, that soybean exports were actually running about 2% over the projection, and now we're 3% behind, gives you an indication of what's going on. Corn was in the 29% behind projections for exports at this point. Now we're at 39% yeah. behind, so it's not getting it's better. Lot. It's getting worse. <laughs> and now you've brought up a good point. What's coming out next week, March the 8th? It's the March WASDE report, and I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, what I'm hearing from a lot of people is, well, of course, you get both sides of it, you know, the projections, but a lot of folks are talking about the fact that we're going to get some corrections to the downside in those numbers. Well, that's the fear. That's what I'm looking for. I think the whole market is looking for this on that report on March the 8th is that they're concerned that the corn export sales are so far behind, they're going to have to make an adjustment and they're going to have to reduce the projected export sales and therefore add to the carryover. Now, if somebody else could sit here and say, uh, yeah, that might happen, that's probably already in the market. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, Rob. But I am fearful that they are going to make an adjustment in the yeah. March report. They may wait a little longer, but I don't think they well, a couple of other things before we move on, because I want to talk about some of the projections for South America, Brazil, and Argentina. But from the demand standpoint, when we look at the export sales, obviously that's part of demand. The other part of that you've brought up uh, on a number of different occasions recently, crush, first of all, and second of all, corn for ethanol use. Both of those are factors here. Yeah, they definitely are. January crush came out at 191 million bushels. That's a decent number, but that compares with 189.6, which was the average guess, a little bit better than the average guess, but it was below a year ago. And and crush is uh, is doing well, but it's you know it's starting to slip a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Corn for ethanol usage for last week was 444 million bushels. Again, that's above the week before, but it's below the same week of a year ago. And corn for ethanol use is running pretty close to right where it should be to hit the USDA projection. So it's not real bearish in crush on beans and corn, but it's nothing to get excited about either. Yeah, well, one of the things I think that may factor into that at some point, it seems like the move is afoot in Washington, D.C. to try and get this year-round E15 mandate put in place. Don't know how far they're going to get on that. Some are saying, yeah, well, probably if they do get that done, it won't happen until 2024. So I'm keeping an eye on that one. Let's go to South America because that is going to factor into the WASDE report next week. Stonex came out with their numbers this past week, and uh, they say that they're going to raise 
The Brazilian soybean crop estimate to 154.7. There's a lot of indications that are suggesting that soybean number is probably going to go up. But the thing that I find interesting about specifically Brazil is the rain that they've had put the harvest of the soybean crop behind, which puts the corn planting behind. And the last I heard, we're about 50% behind on getting that safrina corn crop in the ground. Yeah, and that's what's got to be watched, Rob. And oddly enough, Stellanex actually raised their corn estimate, too, for Brazil. And I guess I was a little baffled by that. Yeah, yeah me too. Dr. Cotonier, he's lowered his numbers. He lowered them again this past week, and Stone X actually went higher. So we've got quite a disparity there, but uh, we got to keep an eye on that one. Because of all that rain, the soybean harvesting is running behind. That means that the corn planting for the second crop, the safrina crop, is running late. Then that puts it late enough to where it could get affected by the dry season weather and cut into yield. So we've got to keep an eye on that one. But, oh, Argentina, did you see that? <sighs> they actually went down again. <laughs> You've been talking about how bad it is down there. And, you know, we always talk about our crops. Oh, the good to excellent rating. Well, he made the point, uh, particularly when we were speaking at Trader Auction this past week, that it was at only 6% good to excellent, dropped it down to 3% good to excellent. Now, give you even a better <laughs> sense about that. Buenos Aires Grain Exchange said this past week they plan to cut their 2022-23 Argentine soybean crop estimate again. And I think that kind of follows with Dr. Cordonier. They're looking to take it down, I think, to about 33.5 million metric tons. Here's the telling point. In Argentina, that crop is rated 67% poor. That's ugly. This is probably going to be the worst crop in Argentina in a long, long, long time. But remember that this is the worst drought they're having in 60 years. So I guess the question is, is Argentina even going to have a soybean crop? (laughs) (laughs) They've already started talking about importing some soybean from Brazil because they're such big crushers. By the way, the uh, spring crop insurance prices were established. And for our listeners, in case they miss that, the corn price is five ninety one, and the soybean price is set at thirteen seventy six a bushel. And ironically, that ratio, corn to bean ratio, is two point three three to one. You know, which slightly favors corn planting, but not by very much. Does it favor it to the tune that everybody's talking about, which is ninety one and change for corn crop this year? That's a good question, and I'm beginning to think that it's pretty close to break even. And of course, if we have dry weather when we start corn planting, I think that we may not. Uh, well, I mean, we'll get an increase in corn planting if the weather's dry, but I'm beginning to think it's not going to be as much as we were talking about uh, at one time, especially when you look at this Argentine soybean crop. And is that at some point going to translate to even higher prices of soybeans when we get into planting season? I don't know. We got to watch that one. Yeah. We'll... Uh, oh, by the way, too, last year, you know, we got our March planting intentions report coming out on March the uh, 31st. A year ago, that March 31st planting intentions to the final corn soybean acres combined, the two combined, was down 4.3 million from that March 31st estimate. So was that all about the drought and some of those acres that, you know, they got so bad from the drought that they just didn't harvest them? You're right. A lot of that was particularly in the Dakotas. Right. And you recall when we got the final acres number back in January, that number went lower and that was a surprise to the marketplace. And that's exactly what you just said. It, It came from those acres that got abandoned primarily in the Dakotas. Well, there you have it. And I think that those last two points are probably good enough to qualify as the final word today. I'm sorry, I'm going to override you. Drought in the U.S. The corn area affected by drought is 34% of the corn area. Beans at 26%. 
Both of those numbers were down 6% from just last week. So the conditions are getting better. Okay. When you override me, that means you owe me. So just to mark that down. <laughs> well, the weekly visit with Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And farming has a lot of challenges. And boy, we're talking about a bunch of them in Washington, D.C. right now, like the fight with Biden's EPA over the waters of the U.S. Boy, that is critical for farming. And the Farm Bureau is fully engaged in that, as well as the Farm Bill priorities that, frankly, touch all farmers. The Farm Bureau's efforts to support farming on the state and national level only possible with your Farm Bureau membership. So support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to it. Pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.